Woodlands Church, how are you today on this amazing Sunday? You know, right? Yeah. Chris and I are so excited about this fall at Woodlands Church. We're just coming off our July study break where we get a chance to pray and listen to God a little more and plan and prepare and have meetings with staff. And I mean, we're so excited about this fall. And I wanna tell you, buckle up and hold on because God is up to something unprecedented and world-changing through you, Woodlands Church. And never before have Chris and I seen the vision so clearly for what God wants to do, and God is up to something huge. And I just know with all my heart that this fall, God is going to restore lives, heal broken hearts, rebuild broken relationships in such a way it's gonna change our church, it's going to change our community, it's gonna change our city, and change our world. And I'm just telling you, buckle up. Get ready, because God wants to do something amazing in your life this fall. Our big fall kickoff at all of our campuses is coming up the weekend of August 24th and 25th. That's the big kickoff weekend. We do that every year, kickoff weekend. This year, Chris and I are gonna be doing a new series of messages that we're gonna be doing together. We're calling it Soul Safari. And we're gonna turn this whole place and all of our campuses into the Serengeti. It's gonna be amazing. But most importantly, We're gonna teach on how to really nourish your soul because life gets so crazy and hectic and stressful and busy and and we get so crowded in our schedules that we crowd out feeding our soul. And so we're gonna talk about how you really nourish your soul to build healthy relationships, healthy emotions, healthy families. So don't miss it, it's gonna be amazing and we have a fall festival that'll be going on for the kids out there. We're having a petting zoo and zoo animals and all kinds of fun stuff. It's the big fall kickoff, August 24th and 25th, so invite your friends. But today, I'm kicking off a two-part series that I'm calling Made for This. Have you ever had that unsettling feeling that you were made for more? that you were made for more than the way you're living. You were made for more than what you're experiencing right now. I mean, maybe everything in your life is okay. I mean, it's okay, but you have this gnawing in your soul where you inherently know that you were made for more than just trying to make it through another day. You were made for more. Have you ever had that unsettling feeling that you were made for more? First time I ever had that feeling was when I was 16 years old and just got my driver's license. And the car that I had to drive was my parents' old station wagon, you know, the kind with the wood sideboard. And I would drive that to high school every day thinking I was made for so much more. (laughs) I was made for so much more than this car. I wasn't made for this car, this car wasn't made for me, I was made for maybe a Camaro, maybe a Firebird, maybe even a Porsche, if I could dream a little bit. But I certainly wasn't made for this station wagon, I was made for so much more. Now my parents, on the other hand, disagreed completely with me. At 16 years of age, they felt like that car was made for me and I was made for that car. And I proved them right one night when I was trying to go through the drive through lane at Taco Bell, and instead I ran into Taco Bell. And, you know, I wasn't far from the drive through window, but I was making the turn, and that submarine, I blame it on the car, 
Um, and I hit the side of Taco Bell and I got stuck right there. And everybody behind me was honking and cussing because they couldn't get their cheesy gorditas. And, you know, it was just a disaster for everything. And, and, and finally, a few people came out and they helped me get unstuck because I was going back and forth, just dinning in the door even more. I, I was literally stuck. I mean, I revved the engine, put it in reverse, revved it. You know, and, and it just wouldn't get unstuck until some people came out and just helped me. We pushed that thing off and it was crazy. Um, that for my parents just confirmed that that car was made for me. For me, that incident just proved that that car wasn't made to go through the drive-through lane at Taco Bell. That's all it proved to me. But I continued to drive that station wagon with the wood sideboard dented in for the rest of my sophomore and junior year until my senior year, I finally got the car I was made for. It was a six-year-old red Mustang stick shift, fully unloaded, had nothing, pretty much nothing, other than AC. But it was the car for me when I installed my stereo and could play my music. That was the car I was made for. And I have to say that I just think God used that car to help Chris fall in love with me. She denies it, but I was so hot in that car. I, I just believe that red Mustang had something to do with it. I had some hair, but the red Mustang, I think, was the most important thing. I finally got the car I was made for. Well, today we're talking about the life you were made for. You were made for more. So I want you to open your Bibles to Isaiah 43, and here we see that God speaks to the Israelites and he tells them, you were made for more than what you're experiencing. You are made for more than the way you're living right now. You see, God had brought the Israelites into the promised land. And then he had put a call upon their lives that they were to be a light, shining God's love to the whole world. And yet they turned away from God and they turned away from their true calling. And so God allowed the Babylonians to come in and to destroy Jerusalem. They ransacked the temple and turned it into rubble. And then they took most of the Israelites back to Babylon with them. And Babylon is modern day Iraq. And this was 70 years that they were in Babylon in captivity. Historians refer to it as the Babylonian exile. And so God speaks to them while they're in exile. And he says, you're made for so much more than this. So let's look at it in Isaiah 43, beginning with verse 16. Would you stand in honor of God's word? And I want to welcome all you guys worshiping with us at our satellite campuses, Woodlands Church Atascacita, Woodlands Church North Point. All of you are worshiping with us through our online campus, and thousands of you now are worshiping through our online campus, and all of you worshiping through our broadcast ministry around the world, and everyone here in the Woodlands. I just want you to realize we're all part of one church built on the word of God. And so I know that as God spoke to the Israelites and said, you're made for more, he wants to speak to us right now, this amazing promise. God wants to speak to you in a powerful way. Isaiah 43, beginning with verse 16. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. 
Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Dear God, I thank you that you're a God who makes a way where there seems to be no way. You're a God who opens up springs of living water in the desert of life. And so I just pray for everyone within the sound of my voice that has an ache in their heart that they were made for more, that you would just give them your encouragement today to take a step of faith and to step into that land of more. Lord, I know that so many are going through the desert right now. So many are going through difficulties and pain. And I just pray that you would let them know that there's something new on the way. That you are up to something big in their life. And Lord, I just pray that you do all that you want to in our hearts in the next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. But I want you to underline the phrase in that passage where God says, I am doing a new thing. See, God was telling the Israelites, yes, you've been in exile for a long time now, but I'm getting ready to do something new, and I want you to stop looking at where you've been and start looking at what I'm doing. I'm doing something new. Now, he was speaking this to a people who had been in exile for almost 70 years. He was speaking this to a people that were so far away from the land they were made for and the plan they were made for. And he was speaking this to the Israelites when they were just far away from who they were made to be. And when they were in captivity, the Babylonian conquerors treated them okay. I mean, it wasn't great. They were the conquered, and the Babylonians were the conquerors, and so it wasn't the best situation, but history shows us that they got to live in an Israelite community and that most people lived a fairly normal life. Living conditions weren't great, but they were okay. It wasn't a great situation, but it was an okay situation. It wasn't the promised land, but it was the land of okay. And I'm sure that the Israelites have been living in the land of okay for so long that they were becoming okay with okay. And I'm sure that there were so many that just pushed the promised land out of their minds and out of their hearts. So many just forgot about Jerusalem. They forgot about the land they were called to and the plan they were called for. In fact, there was a whole generation that was born in exile. That's all they knew was exile. They had never lived in the land that they were made for. But I'm sure every once in a while, an elderly Hebrew man would say something like, I will never forget walking up the great stone steps to the temple in Jerusalem. Whenever I would get to the top and I would look at the temple, I was always in awe of the splendor of the house of God. I never got over that. Oh, you should have seen it. It's more beautiful and more amazing than I could ever describe to you. And then that ache would just pierce people's hearts. That ache and that knowing inherently that they were made for so much more, but they were so far from the land they were made for and the plan they were made for. And some of you today feel like you're so far from the land you were made for and the plan you were made for. And I want you to hear God's words today, his promises today, because he's telling you, you're not too far. You're not too far. I can take you and I can make you into what you're made for.
It's not too late. As long as you're breathing, it's not too late. God has a plan. But the problem with the Israelites was they had become okay in the land of okay. They had gotten comfortable in the land of okay. They had been there for so many years, and at first God told them, hey, this is something that I've allowed because you've turned away from me, and I want you to learn from it and grow in it, so you need to build houses. You need to plant crops because you're gonna be here for a while. That's the way it's gonna be. And they did that, but then they started forgetting about the temple. They started forgetting about the land they were made for. They forgot about the promised land. And, and so God has to come back and he has to remind them that it's not okay to live in the land of okay now. It's time for something new. It's not okay for you to stay in this land. I want to move you back to the promised land. In fact, God was going to rescue them out of Babylon. He was going to defeat the Babylonians. He was going to take them back to the promised land. He was going to rebuild the temple. He was gonna bring them back to the land they were made for and the plan they were made for. And I believe with all my heart, God can do that in your life. That God wants to do that in your life. But you see, first, he had to prepare them. Because they've been walking around with their head down for so long. They were walking around focused on the here and now, just trying to survive each day, just trying to make it through another day, living in the land of okay. And so they'd become comfortable with it. And so God has to give them a wake-up call. He wakes them up and speaks to them and says, I've got something new for you. Look up. Stop looking down. Look up. I'm getting ready to do it. You need to look up and be ready for it. And you need to see it because it's coming. It's hard for them to believe it. But God says that to you today. And he wants to prepare you for what he's getting ready to do. He wants to prepare you through his promises. And there are three things this passage tells me that I have to do to be prepared for the new thing that God wants to do in my life. For the changes God wants to make in my character. For the blessings God wants to give in my life. Because see, I'm not talking about the more that our culture tells us is more. Our culture lies to us. Our culture is always saying you need more. Every commercial, you know, every advertisement says you need more to be happy. The reason you're not happy is because you just need a little more. You need more of this, you need more of that. If you had more, you'd be happy, but that's not the kind of more that I'm talking about. You know, the world says you need more money, you need more success, you need more notoriety, you need more fame, you need more followers, you need more views. You need more because you're not happy, but if you just had a little more, you might be. Just a little more, you'd be happy. And it's not that there's something wrong with those things. It's just that if you think those things are gonna bring you more and you're seeking those things to bring you more, you're gonna end up with less, less happiness. The more I'm talking about is the more that you were made for, more fulfillment, more peace, more purpose, more joy, more significance, more of God's blessings in your life. That's the more God wants for you. The problem is we get okay with being in the land of okay and God has to shake us up. God has to shake us up and, and move us out of the land of okay. And he wants to do that with encouragement. He wants to do that by really speaking to your heart, his promises. But there are three things that we have to do to cooperate with what he's about to do so we'll be ready for it. First, remember God's power. Remember God's power. 
I have studied this passage and I've looked at this passage many times because it's one of my favorite promises in all the Bible where he says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. I'm doing something new. I love that promise. He was telling the Israelites, you've been stuck in exile and thinking about you know, where you've been for so long, but now it's time to raise your eyes up and forget the past and look at the amazing thing I'm getting ready to do in your life. And I've always loved that promise because it tells me that God says, Carrie, forget about all your past failures and mistakes and sins and all your mess from the past because I'm gonna do something new in your life. I still have a plan for you. I mean, it's so encouraging. But what I never saw in this passage until recently when I was studying it is right before God tells them, forget your past, he tells them to remember something from their past. Right before God says, you need to forget the past because you're moving into a bright future, he tells them, you gotta remember your past. And that's so interesting to me. Look at it. It's right here, we're gonna kind of break this down in verse 16 and 17, it says, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. See, God reminds them of the miracle of parting the Red Sea, one of the greatest miracles in their past. God reminds them how he rescued them from the Egyptians and opened a path through the Red Sea so that they could walk through on dry ground. God's getting ready to rescue them from the land of okay and take them to the land they were made for. But first he has to remind them of his power. You see, before God can rescue them, he has to remind them of his power. Before God can rescue you, he's gotta remind you of his power and his strength in your life. Before you're ready for the new thing that God is gonna do in your life, he's got to remind you of his power. That's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And before you can forget the past, you gotta remember God's power. And so God reminds them of his power. So what do we need to remember today to be ready for that new thing? What do we need to remember from God's power, his character and who he is? We need to remember that God is the God of the impossible. God can do the impossible. God is the God of the impossible. You know the parting of the Red Sea, but let's look at verse 16. It says, this is what God says, the God who built a road right through the ocean. I love the way the message paraphrase puts that. God can build a road right through the ocean. You remember that Moses led the people of Israel out of slavery. They'd been in Egypt for 400 years in slavery. And God opens the door for them to be released. They move out into the wilderness, and the first thing they come to is the Red Sea. And so they camp at the Red Sea. The Egyptian army changes their mind, and the Pharaoh changes his mind and sends his whole army after the Israelites. So here the Israelites are with the Red Sea in front of them. The Egyptian army bearing down behind them. They are in an impossible situation. They are at a dead end. I mean, it's humanly impossible. They can't get through the ocean, and the army is coming after them to kill them. It's an impossible situation. And what does God do? God is the God of the impossible. He builds a road right through the ocean. Parts the sea, builds a road right through the ocean. I don't know what ocean you're facing today. I don't know what waves are crashing into your life. I don't know the ocean that you're facing, the insurmountable odds. I know some of you are in a humanly impossible situation, and it's okay to admit that. 
You've tried to fix the problem. You've tried to change the situation, and you can't. It's humanly impossible. You can't control it. You can't change it. And it's okay to admit that, but here's the thing. You need to also admit that God is the God of the impossible. It's never over till God says it's over. God is the God of the impossible. He can build a road right through the ocean. I don't know what ocean you're facing, and maybe the water and the wall of water is so high that you can't see over it, but I know this. God can build a road right through the ocean because God can make a way where there seems to be no way. I've seen it so many times, and Chris and I have seen it so many times in our lives and in the church where God makes a way where there seems to be no way, then he gets all the credit. God is the God of the impossible. Maybe everyone else tells you it's impossible. And maybe it's humanly impossible. But you need to check in with God first. Just because a human being tells you it's impossible, it doesn't mean it's impossible. You check in with the God of the impossible first. But I want you to see a second thing that we need to remember. God can lead you to an impossible situation so he can do the impossible in your life. God oftentimes leads us to a dead end so he can do a great work in our lives. Right before the miracle of of the parting of the Red Sea, God said this to the Israelites in Exodus chapter 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hahiroth between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Did you get it? Did you get that? Did you get it? Why did I read this passage? How does this fit in the message? Why did I read this passage? It was to show you how well I pronounce such difficult biblical places like Pi Ahiroth, Beelzephon. No, I have no idea how to pronounce those really. I've just learned that if you're really confident in your pronunciation of those Bible names and places, then people just believe you. So I know it's Pi Ahiroth, Migdal. That's exactly the way you pronounce it. At least that's the way I'm pronouncing it today. I really have no idea, but that's not why I'm doing this. That's not why I'm reading this. Why am I reading this passage? Did you get it? The reason why they came to a dead end is because God told them to go to a dead end. They didn't know it at the time, but God did. And sometimes God will lead you to a dead end so he can deliver you. Sometimes God will lead you to a dead end so that he can deliver you and then he gets all the credit. Sometimes God will lead you to an impossible situation so you can learn he's the God of the impossible and it builds your relationship. It builds your love for him and you see how much he cares about you and it builds your faith in his great power and faithfulness. But sometimes God will lead you to a dead end because he knows that's the only way he can get you out of the land of okay into the land you were made for. Because when things are okay, we get okay with okay, and we just kind of go along okay. And he knows we won't change or really step into what we were made for if things are okay. So sometimes he lets the bottom fall out, and it's not okay anymore. You see, sometimes God brings you to dead end to take you to where he wants you to be. Sometimes he allows you to lose a job that was okay, but it wasn't what you were called to. But he knows that if it stays okay, then you're just gonna keep doing that day in and day out. And God loves you too much to let you stay in the land of okay, so he'll allow you to lose that job, get laid off, so you can wake up and go, okay, I'm gonna find what I'm called to. I'm not gonna settle for okay. 
For those of you who are single adults, sometimes God will allow a relationship to disintegrate that was just okay. It wasn't drawing you closer to God, it was just okay and you were comfortable with okay. He'll allow that relationship to disintegrate so you can find the one you were made for. Some of you who are business owners, when everything's going okay, then you just are content with okay. But sometimes God will allow the bottom to fall out so that you'll say it's not okay anymore. We gotta make some changes. And it's changes you always needed to make to go to the next level. Because God loves you too much to let you stay in the land of okay. But the good news is if you're at a dead end right now, you're in a place for a miracle. God's greatest miracles happen at dead ends. And really it's just a phase that God will bring you to. You'll experience difficulty and delays and then you hit dead end and then there's deliverance. So delay is just the phase right before deliverance. And some of you are in an impossible situation right now. And God led you there. Some of you are in an impossible situation because you got yourself there. But God said, it, it, it doesn't matter. I still have a plan for you. And I can bring you through because I can build a road through the ocean. But then I want you to see another thing that we're to remember. We're to remember that the impossible is easy for God. The impossible is always easy for God. Don't ever forget that. What is impossible for you is easy for God. In verse 17, it says they're snuffed out like so many candles. So the Egyptians had been in control for 400 years. They had been their greatest problem. And yet God said it was like blowing out a candle. It was just like blowing out a candle. It was just so easy for me. They couldn't hold a candle to me. And so whatever is Impossible for you is just easy for God. Don't forget that. Get your eyes on him today. Look up to him. Get your eyes on God and realize that he's bigger than any problem you face. But I want you to go back. I skipped over a verse. I'll try to act like it was intentional, but it wasn't. In verse 17, it says, who, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again. I love that because God led the Israelites to a dead end to draw out their enemy. Why? He drew out their enemy to destroy their greatest enemy. The Egyptians had been the greatest enemy for over 400 years, their biggest problem. And God said, no more. In fact, he said in the scripture, these Egyptian soldiers you see today, you'll never see again. You're done with them. You're gonna have a lot more problems in you know, the wilderness. You're gonna have a lot more problems even in the promised land, but you won't have this problem anymore. And sometimes God brings you to a dead end to deliver you from your greatest problem. I mean, sometimes a sin, a hang-up, a destructive habit that you just kind of been okay with comes to the forefront and you can't hide it anymore. It comes out. God draws it out and it's destructive so that you can't avoid it anymore so that God can destroy it. Sometimes... God brings you to a dead end so he can destroy your greatest enemy. Maybe your greatest enemy has always been financial struggles. Maybe it's always been, you know, it's like, it seems like we're in the same situation again. Maybe God has brought you to this dead end so he can destroy that forever. So that finally you start following God's biblical principles and you start praying about your finances. You start putting God first in tithing. You start following other biblical principles of getting out of debt and budgeting and and a few years down the road, you'll look back and you say, that dead end destroyed that enemy. You're in financial freedom and you look back and you go, that was the dead end 
that God drew out my greatest problem and destroyed it. Now I've got a whole bunch of other problems, but that's okay, God can destroy those too. Many times God will bring us to a dead end to destroy our greatest problem. But I want you to see a second thing, because once you remember, then you have to deal with the past so you don't dwell in the past. Deal with the past so you don't dwell in the past. In verse 18 it says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. Now usually we can't forget the past because we haven't dealt with it and it shows up all the time in our present. It shows up in our emotions and our lives. It shows up in our relationships and it destroys them because we haven't dealt with it. So how do you deal with your past? First, you grieve your losses. Brokenness leads to blessedness, but you've got to feel the pain of your brokenness before you can step into blessedness. They had to feel the pain of the Babylonian exile and that took time. They had to feel the pain of it and it says in the scripture that they wept by the rivers of Babylon. They felt the pain. They grieved their loss. They'd lost 70 years. They grieved the loss, but a lot of times we just want to forget the past, move into the future, everything's okay, and we leave devastation behind us because we don't deal with the past. I mean, maybe you've experienced a great loss, a tragedy, a lost loved one, and, and you didn't grieve. And I'm telling you, if you don't grieve your losses and your hurts, you don't take time to grieve then that grief will come out sideways and destructive some way. I see it a lot of times in a midlife crisis. A lot of men hold in their grief and they don't grieve and they go through a sorrow and a loss and they don't grieve and then it comes out in some crazy way that's destructive. It's so important to grieve and in America today, we don't like to grieve, we just wanna be happy. We wanna move on, everything's okay. But we have to grieve our losses and the losses that our sins and our hurts cause others and ourselves. We, we have to grieve it and we have to feel the pain of that brokenness. And once you feel the pain of the brokenness and, and you grieve, you grieve the loss, God brings healing. God uses grief to bring healing. Did you know that? Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's grieving and coming to that end of yourself where you can start experiencing God's healing. And I have to be honest, sometimes God has to break you before he can make you into what you're made for. He loves you too much to let you live in the land of okay. Sometimes God has to break you so that you'll feel the pain of your brokenness so you can't avoid it anymore so that he can make you into what he's called you to be. And then admit your failures. Grieve your losses, admit your failures. Just admit your sins, your failures to God. Don't try to hide them. Just admit them to God, admit them to others to receive God's forgiveness and healing. We just admit them. And then forget your successes. You know, the greatest enemy to success, future success in any organization is past success. And because people say, well, we've always done it this way and it's been great. You have to forget your successes from yesterday because they won't help you today. You gotta start all over today with God's power and God's grace and make the changes God wants you to make today in your life. But the crazy thing is God uses all of this, my failures, my pain, my sins, my successes. He brings it all together to make me into what he's made me to be. See, right now God is making you into what he's made you to be. And he can use everything from your past to make you into what he's making you to be in your future. God doesn't waste anything, even my mess ups. God takes it and somehow uses that to make me into what he's making me to be if I let him. God takes all the pain, all the hurt, 
all the successes and molds them together to make you. And sometimes God will give you less so that he can give you more. Sometimes God will give you less so that he can make you into more that he wants you to be. And some of you are there right now. Sometimes God will give you a station wagon with a wood sideboard when you were made for a Camaro. But God says, no, right now you need to be in that station wagon because you're not made for anything more than that. You're gonna run into a lot of Taco Bells, and I know that. Until you become who I'm making you to be. See, there's nothing more pathetic than someone with a great calling and a high position, but the character doesn't match their calling. And so God wants your character to match your calling, so sometimes he'll give you less to prepare you for more. I was, went to the gym to work out the other day, and as I was walking in, I saw a, a bright yellow, beautiful Lamborghini parked right out front, brand new. And I um, went into the gym, and I saw two teenagers working out, and you know, over by the, the weights, and one of them said, is that your Lambo out there? And the other one said, yeah, my dad just bought that for me for my 16th birthday. And the other kid said, must be nice. And all I thought is, your dad must be nuts. <laughs> or either he hates you, one or the other. I mean, no kid is made for that car. I, I'm made for that car, but God hasn't blessed me with it. But um, no, I'm not made for that car, that's for sure. I, I couldn't even get it in the garage, so I, I, I wouldn't do that. Um, but no kid is made for that car. That's crazy. I mean, uh, that's not love, even if you can afford something like that. My goodness, to give a 16-year-old kid, that's made for disaster. It's not made for that kid. It's made for disaster. That's what it is. God won't do that to you. He won't give you a Lamborghini when he knows you need to be driving a station wagon with a wood sideboard. He won't, he, he won't do that. He'll prepare your character. God loves you too much to do something like that to you, to hurt you like that. There have been so many times in my life where I thought I was waiting on God. I, I was praying, God, I, I know it's time for you to come through in this area or that area. God, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. Oh, I know you're teaching me a lot through this waiting, but I hate it. I'm just waiting on you. And really, it was God waiting on me. As I look back on it, it was God waiting on me so that my character would grow, so that my character would match my calling because God will give you less to prepare you for more because he knows if he gives you more and you're not prepared for it, you're not even gonna receive it. You're not even gonna be ready for it. So he's gotta give you less to prepare you for more and it's what you do with less. And some of you are going, well, I, I was made for more. You know, I just got, I haven't even got a promotion yet. I've been working here a week. I've been working my tail off. I haven't even got a raise yet. I've been here a month. What's going on? You know, nobody's recognizing me for how great I am. You know, I, I'm, I'm doing pretty good and my spouse is not even telling me how great I am. What is it? You know, I mean, we always want more, but we're not willing to be responsible with less many times. And God says, I wanna build your character. I want you to be content. I want you to be grateful. I want you to, I want you to just be the person I've called you to be where I've called you to be right now because I'm making you into what I'm making you to be. I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. 
But then there's a third thing that's so important, and that is open your eyes to see what God is doing. Open your eyes to the new thing that God is doing. In verse 19, the first part of the verse, God says, see, I'm doing a new thing. He's saying, stop walking around with your head down. Stop looking down. You need to look up right now. Wake up, look up, look up, and see the new thing that I'm doing in your life. I want you to look up because you can't be just thinking about how to survive. You've got to look up, and, and you'll see the new thing I'm doing. My prayer for you today is that you will have spiritually, spiritual eyes open so you can see what God's doing. Even in the middle of the storm, you can see what God's up to. Even in the desert, you can see that God's making a way. Even in the ocean, you can see God's building a road. That you can see the new thing that God is doing. I want you to turn to your neighbor on both sides and say, look up, look up, look up, look up. You need to look up. Stop looking down. Stop looking at what's going on right around you and look up to God first, and then he'll give you a new perspective on what's going on around you. And then I want you to see that next part of the verse. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? See, we look for it in yesterday, we look for it in tomorrow, but it's happening today. Now, today, God's doing something new, and he wants us to cooperate with him. But we've all lied to ourselves, and we've said, well, one day, when things settle down, one day, when it's not so stressful, I just said that to myself this last week. Well, you know, someday soon when things settle down, I'm gonna do this or do that. Some, right now it's pretty busy going into the fall, but when things settle down, have you ever said that to yourself? Let me just tell you what you did. You lied, you liar. You lied to yourself and you're lying. And you're believing the lie. I've done it so many times. Things will never settle down. This is life. They never settle down. You have to find joy in the craziness. Things are never gonna settle down, and that's why God's doing it now. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but now. Now is where you cooperate with God. The one day when things settle down, I'll really live for God. One day when things settle down, I'll spend more time with my kids. One day when things settle down, I'll go for that dream. I'll step out of okay. One day when things settle down, then I'll really put God first. One day when things settle down, we'll join the church, just not today. Today is the only day you know you have. Today is a gift that you have to unwrap. Today is the most precious gift that you have. And you have to unwrap it or you waste it. Now it springs forth. And then I love how he says, do you not perceive it? See, God wants to help you perceive it, believe it, and then receive it. Perceive it, you gotta see it with spiritual eyes because you can't see it with your physical eyes. You may be right there at the Red Sea at a dead end and the Egyptian army coming after you. It looks like an impossible situation, but God says, just open your eyes. I'm building a road and it's almost to you. And then you're gonna see it all open up. You have to perceive it. Then you have to believe it. And then you receive it. And you step out in faith, out of the land of okay, into the land that you were made for, the land of more. And God has more for you. What does he wanna do? It says it in the very last verse, look at it with me. I am making a way in the wilderness and springs in the wasteland. God's making a way in the wilderness. Maybe some of you are in the wilderness in your career right now, and it just feels like a dead end. God is making right now a way for you. You just don't see it yet. Ask him to help you perceive it, believe it, and walk in it in faith. For some of you, you have a desert in your marriage right now where it feels like all the love is just dried up and 
God wants to open up some springs of living water to renew and refresh your marriage. Perceive it. Believe it. Receive it. For some of you, you're in a desert of depression. You've been going through depression, and, and it's not your fault. It's just that God is using it to make you into what you're made for. And God wants you to see that he's going to open up the floodgates in that desert of depression, the floodgates of joy. Not happiness, which depends on things happening around you, but real joy that comes from God that cannot be explained. God wants to do something amazing in your life. He doesn't want you to settle for okay, and he loves you too much to let you stay there. But I have to take a step of faith, whatever that is, a step of faith. I don't know what the wilderness is for you. I don't know what the desert is for you, but I know we all, in areas of our lives, are in a wilderness or a desert, and the good news is God wants to make a way through the wilderness, and he wants to give you springs of hope and living water in the middle of the desert. Let's just pray to him right now and ask him to do that. Dear God, I pray for every one of us that you would help us by opening our eyes to see, open our spiritual eyes to see that maybe we're in the desert, but help us to see that you're building a road and you're gonna see us through. Help us perceive it, believe it, and receive it. And Lord, I pray for everyone who's going through a wilderness, maybe a wilderness of worry. Maybe it's just a dead end where they know it's just humanly impossible. Remind them you're the God of the impossible. And I pray that you would help them perceive it, believe it, and receive it. I thank you, Lord, that you're doing something new and amazing in our church that's unprecedented. I thank you for how you're using this church to change the world, and you're just getting started. Something new, and it's springing up right now. And I, I just pray for everyone, Lord, who hadn't joined the church, that they would connect, and they would join, and they would get connected in a life group and on a team. And Lord, because you've called each and every one of us to be a part. And I pray for those who've never received you that they would say this prayer right now. Jesus Christ, I give up. I can't save myself, so I ask you to save me, forgive me of all my sins and my past, and I just ask you to take me to the land that I was made for, heaven, one day, and help me step into the land of more right here and right now. I place my trust in you to save me. Be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's just thank the Lord, the God of the impossible. Believe him. Perceive it, believe it, and receive it, Will and Church, because he's got a purpose, he's got a plan. Well, now we're at the point of our service where we give back to God some of what he's given us. And let me just say this. Maybe this is the area where God wants you to take that next step. It's in your giving. Maybe you never trusted God with your giving. Start today. Put God first because he promises you that he will never, ever fail you, that you cannot give God. Did you know it's okay to pray for God to bless you? As long as your motives are right, God bless me to be a blessing. God blesses you for one reason, though, to be a blessing. God bless me more so I can be more of a blessing. That's okay to pray. But you have to step out in faith to give. A lot of times we say, God bless me and I'll give, and God says, you give and I'll bless you. And it works that way. Put God first. I encourage you, figure out a way to give that puts God first because it's a discipline, a spiritual discipline. 
you know, giving. And so maybe it's through our online giving, wc.org. Maybe it's through um, our PushPay app that you can find right there in your program. Or maybe it's giving in the offering basket. But find a way to make it regular giving for God's glory because you cannot give him. God will bless you. But you've got to take that next step to move out of the land of okay to the land you're made for. And I encourage you to pray for your giving because as you give, we're stepping out in faith like never before. We have so many ministries and missions now that are making such a difference. It's unbelievable. So many mission trips that have been going out. And, and our goal is to get the gospel of hope, the good news of Jesus around the world, and to lift up the poor and powerless, and to raise up the next generation. And it's amazing what's happened. We had 2,000 children at our Bible school, uh, which was three times as much as we'd ever had. And I talked to our children's pastor, and we were praying you know, that God would just triple it this year. And I thought, well, really, you were just praying for problems. Most people, I think, would pray, God, help us have a lot less kids. This is tough, you know. But we want to reach everyone that we can with God's power. And we think about all the camps that happened, all the mission trips. You gave, I don't know how many thousands of backpacks for under-resourced kids. It was thousands um, last week for under-resourced kids getting ready to start school in Montgomery County. A big church makes a big difference. We have our eyes off of ourselves and onto God Almighty. And, that's, and God needs every one of us to be a part. That's what it's all about. You know, I was thinking about the desert, and I just thought about the church plant that we did in Dubai several years ago, Fellowship of the Emirates. If you ever get a chance to go, you ought to go. It was amazing. There was a, a family in our church who said, we're being transferred to Dubai. You know, I work for a company that's transferring me, and, and I'll be there with expats, and could we have all of the sermon tapes that you've got, you know, could we have, just give us CDs or something or just send them to us. And so they started doing that and we started, and they would have church in their home with about five or six other people and they would sing our Woodland Church songs and then they would watch Chris or I do the message and, and that was their church. And then it just started growing. It grew bigger and bigger and bigger and finally they called their pastor, Pastor Jim, who's been just amazing, and now the church has over 4,000 people in Dubai meeting at a hotel. It's amazing. Fellowship of the Emirates, expats from all over the world. And so we've planted churches all over the world and satellites and ministry. And why do we do it? For one reason, because God loves people. God loves people, and he wants everyone to know him. And as you give, thank him for what he's given you and pray that God will use it in the ministries and the missions of Woodlands Church. Lord, bless our giving, and we thank you for all that you're getting ready to do, for all that you're doing, and Lord, we just pray most of all you do a work in our hearts. As we give, that you would fulfill your promise, that you'll give back more for your glory and your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Hey, let's continue to stand. We're gonna sing a closing song as our declaration because I don't know where you're going this week, but if you're walking through a wilderness, he walks through it with you. That's the great thing about being a Christ follower. You'll never have to go through anything alone. If you're walking through the wilderness, he walks with you. If you're going to walk through the ocean, he's going to build a road through the ocean. And he's going to walk with you. There's another in the wilderness with you. Maybe you're going to walk through a fire. Maybe it's going to get hot, but he will walk through it with you and he will see you through. So let's sing it with all our heart. There's another in the fire with you and he will never let you down. He's the God of the impossible. Praise God. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. 
If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.